This is Creators in Vietnam with Tuesi and Moni. We aim to inspire you on your journey by interviewing creative entrepreneurs across Vietnam who make a positive impact on their community and their own lives. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Creators in Vietnam. Today it's me, Tuesi, and Moni. How are you, Moni? Hello, good, good, good. And today our amazing guest is Ricardo or Esta. Hola, ¿qué tal? Uh, how are you, Ricardo? <laughs> so Ricardo is actually the founder of Gender Funk, which is the largest alternative drag queer collective in Vietnam. Very good. I've uh, been to uh, many of their events in 2019 and it's absolutely amazing. So I'm quite excited to have you here today. You also teach sexuality, Yay. gender slash consent workshops in school. Very interesting. And we'll talk about this later on. You're a performer, an event organizer, a mentor to the queer and scene. To do the queer scene, I think. Yes. Yeah, not all of them. Yeah. There's too many. <laughs> There's too many. <laughs> And some of them I want nothing to do with. <laughs> no, just kidding. I love you all. Yes. And then actually, I found it interesting is actually your birth name is uh, Richard Glenn Holmes. Yes, which is funny because Richard means king. Yes. And I'm yeah. a drag queen. So... <laughs> There's uh, something there about going as far away from what my parents wanted me to be as possible. <laughs> Which is great. And then, so Ricardo is your chosen name. Yes. And then Esta is your drag name. Yes. Just so people... You're the know. first person to ever get it. <laughs> I was like, what? I Which do I my love. research. <laughs> it's written on your Facebook profile. <laughs> I know, right? No, actually, you posted something on your birthday, and I was like, that's what you say at the end. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, my God, I have a fan. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes, I've been a fan. I mean, like, I'm a secret fan. I'm like, hey, I, I've, I've been watching you from far. Like, hey, from you're so window. cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, you. I'm, oh I'm also God. your secret stalker. <laughs> <laughs> so, so once again, I'm quite happy to have you here. I've followed you since 2019 when Sabrina, our common friend, introduced us. And I was a little bit in the drag scene in Toronto and just having a lot of friends in there. But it was quite exciting to see it in Vietnam and to see it at your with your image. And like what you did of this felt like quite powerful, quite impactful and, and, and quite interesting. And, and I know you left Vietnam and you just came back. So it was very important for me to invite you to the podcast to get a little bit your all of the things that happened in Vietnam. And then all of the things that you are about to do in Vietnam, because I think it's quite exciting and I think good things are happening. So I want to know, I want to have the exclusivity on it. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, welcome, Ricardo. Welcome. <laughs> so let's get into the interview. And I just want to know a little bit more about your upbringing. I know you uh, grew up in Birmingham. I mean, you were born in Birmingham in a very working class. Tell me more about this. Yes. So for the listeners that don't know, Birmingham is the second city of England. It's a very industrial city. So I grew up in what we call a council estate. So it's like government housing. When your parents can't afford the rent, the government give you a house. They tend to put all of these houses together. Like it's, it's similar to a ghetto is what you'd call it in America, except uh, less guns. So... <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> I mean, there were a few. I grew up in a council estate, so very, super what we call working class, which means, you know, our parents still went to work, but they didn't earn much. But we're talking white people poor, so it's not as bad, you know what I mean, in the scheme of things. And yeah, it was just very, how do I, how do I say it politely? Because I obviously have 
You don't have to. No, I want to. Because, like, you know, I grew up in a very difficult, tough environment, very low education levels, low income. A lot of the parents didn't work or worked part-time or hardly worked. Most of the parents in the area had children at a very young age, Mm -hmm. uh, very violent and aggressive environment to grow up in. But, you know, when I lived in it, I, I lived in fear every day, all the time. But since growing into the beautiful kind person I am today uh, I have compassion for these people and knowing that they didn't choose to be put into that situation and it's really difficult to get out of that situation once you've been put in it (laughs) although it was kind of a mini hell for a while I still had fun you know with these people and I still have connection with these people and I understand them so I don't want to be mean about them even Mm. though I would never probably hang out with them like or go back there. When you say these people, are you meaning your parents? No, the, uh, the people in the, the area. The environment. Like everyone, yes. my neighbors, everyone mm-hmm. I grew up with. You know, yeah. I grew up on the street from six years old. I was hanging out with heroin addicts at six years old mm. in, the, yeah. in the government housing. Like they're called tenement buildings. It's like really big apartment, yeah. like black, super cheap, super old mm-hmm. industrial buildings so i grew up there it was a very tough environment to grow up in but what rich people love to say is it was <laughs> character building and i'm yeah. like i had to build my character by going yeah. through hell yeah. but you seem to have a perfectly fabulous character and you didn't have to go through all this bullshit yeah. so fuck you everyone who says that um, but it is also true like it is yeah. character building and i think that because I grew up in such a uh, situation and I, people now would probably say that I'm middle class or whatever. And I connect with people from lots of different places in the world. It, I'm grateful for the experience because it really yeah. is very humbling and it allows me to connect to people on lots yeah. of different levels. Because, um, yeah. I'm curious to hear like what kind of shits, let's say, you have to go through in that kind of environment. Let's say people knocking on your door every week to, to have a fight with you, like knocking on the door and your mom and they're like, I want to have a fight with Richard, bring him downstairs now. My old name is Richard, everybody. Uh, <laughs> about that so that happening, lots of drugs, lots of young people taking drugs, mm. lots of addiction, lots of street fighting, lots of stealing cars, lots of racist people. It was a very white area that I grew up in. Mm. Just generally a very dark and aggressive yeah. Um, the way I can perfectly capture it is sometimes if you would walk past someone, like a, there'd be like a guy like standing in the street looking really rough or whatever. You would walk past and if your gaze caught mm. his gaze, mm-hmm. he would literally turn to you and be like, who the fuck are you looking at? And start a fight on you just yeah. because yeah. your gaze passed theirs. Now, doesn't that, now I'm older, I realize how angry that person must have been and how like... Yeah. Hostile yeah. to be that hostile from just the gaze. It's like it's nothing. They just must have had so much anger inside them. And it's really, really sad. Even though especially in the UK, the way people look at these people, they call them chavs. You know, you might have heard the word a chav. Yeah. Yeah. Um they wear like a tracksuit. We have the same in cap. France. Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> chavs chav yeah. is the thing everywhere. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. they would probably call them chavs and look down on them. But the thing is, if you're born into an environment anger. and a behavior system yeah. and everyone around you behaves in the same way, aggressive then you do the same then how how are you supposed to learn anything else until you get out of that situation or somebody else shows you and so no one's showing us you already were like recognized kind of as gay at that time oh i was gay from four like yeah when i was six years old Mm -hmm. four to six i used to uh steal my sister's little dresses and put them on Mm. it was more when i was six and she was four so there was a big moment where i used to put on her little tutus and we'd go on my mom's bed and we'd uh, put on shows 
And I'm oh, still please. doing that today, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it's great that at least I know I'm on the right path. Yeah. But yeah. the problem was it was a big hiatus in the middle because I have told this story quite a lot, but we're doing it again, girls. Yeah. Is that my mum walked in and I, I remember that moment, which is weird because six, I don't remember any other young memories, really. And I remember my mum walking in and seeing me and she wasn't angry, but she was shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, me mm-hmm. and the tutor on the dress didn't, whatever. And I remember that face and that emotion. And I was like, shit. Like, I mean, I didn't, don't think I knew that word at that time. But <laughs> I was like, whoa. And yeah, I just never did it again. Yeah. Well, I did, so, but like in secret in my room yeah. alone. Because I, I was confused. I was like, okay, the, all, you yeah. know, the adult people around me who I get all my validation and reference from for what's wrong. That's one of the questions that I have for you when you were talking about character building. The environment must have been so toxic, fearful, and all those things. So which character did you build growing up? Oh, so, gosh, he was a little bitch. uh, (laughs) I don't know, it's weird. Like, I'd say from, like, uh, the first 10 years of my life, I was, like, I was actually a very quiet child, Mm -hmm. which people are always very surprised when I tell them. It's something I'm returning to, like, at this point in my life, but I was actually very chill. I used to sit and, like, color and draw while everyone was running around. My mom used to say I was very chill. And then I definitely, I think I wanted to express myself, but having this moment at a young age where there was a shock moment Mm, of, oh, okay, I shouldn't be doing this. That kind of, like I knew it off. was secret. I had to yeah. keep it secret. Yeah. So I would, I was still, as all you gays out there know, I was had the towel around my head, <laughs> thinking, pretending it was hair. <laughs> I had my towel as a dress, as a skirt. That towel, me and that towel, we had so many good times. <laughs> I was doing all in secret in my room, and then, but I think on top of that, it was one living in an area that was extremely like vi- violent and aggressive. Mm-hmm. So you know if anyone ever threatened you or kind of fucked with you you had to go to 100 straight away yeah. and obviously that is not a useful interaction pattern to yeah. have in no. life you know every time anyone ever get questions you or goes go to 100 you're like bitch what what <laughs> like that's it's so difficult to get anywhere yeah. or achieve anything and then on top of that you have the gay thing i'm very feminine i was very feminine as a child and Everyone in the area would call me names because of that. And it was just an extra thing for them to dig at. On top of that, in my family, not my mom so much, but like on my dad's side, they were very trying to stamp the sissy out of me. Mm -hmm. It's probably the best way to put it. So if I would ever do anything feminine or sissy or whatever, lots of like, don't do that. Don't don't be a sissy, et cetera, et cetera. And then just generally when you grow up in like my experience of growing up, was anytime there was any gay person within range or on television or came up in conversation, it was disgust. Everyone had complete disgust for this person. So as you know, as this little, all you gays out there will relate to this as well, I feel, is like sitting on the sofa as a young gay kid, you know, you're not out, obviously. (laughs) I mean, I hope you are now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sitting on the sofa and you're like eight years old and someone gay comes on the TV and your whole family sitting around they're like and you're sitting there terrified because you're like that's me and everyone's thinking about me in this moment Mm. and everyone's looking at me in this moment and they all hate this person and then therefore they hate me so you can imagine how shit that felt (laughs) oh my god so yeah it's just something that a lot of queer people have gone through is that the first part of our life the first 15 16 years you have to um, suppress not just suppressed, living in fear and yeah. living in this situation of all of the people around you, like most of the people around you. I mean, it's it's different now. This is my experience. Yeah. I'm 32. <laughs> um, 
So you're just got dealing with this confusing situation of your authentic self is mm. met with disgust by everyone around you and is yeah. never kind of validated. So you have to suppress your most authentic self. And as a child, that's not something that you're supposed to do. And then also on top of that, you're going through this really deep, serious mental fear and pain at such a young age when your brain's still developing it's not yeah. good for your brain mm-hmm. it's really damaging yeah for like people. Yeah. it's so confusing for a child i know that for everybody as a coach as well that that moment when you are just growing up at the age of six you said and your mom looking at you mm-hmm. in in shock and it's such a huge block yeah. already in terms Definitely. of your personal development because you want to be uh, this is me but already you don't get the approval at such a young age. Mm-hmm. And then over time, again, again, it gets reinforced that you should not be that. Yeah. But inside, you're just dying to be. Exactly. So when did uh, Ricardo start coming out? So uh, I was actually super late. People are really shocked when they hear this as well. I kept all of my creativity inside. I just didn't express myself. I mean, I loved drama i really wanted to dance and i just didn't do any of it i completely wasted those years i don't want to say wasted i still had fun i still had adventures had beautiful friendships great stories but yeah i really wanted to express myself and i just didn't because i just felt like that all my expression was so feminine and i got such a negative response that i didn't express myself so when i went to university obviously having that space away from home was uh great Mm -hmm. but my first two years of university i was still very homophobic i was homophobic like Mm. i would see two men kissing that's disgusting like self homophobia it's a wild thing and then i just remember one day i I started to meet lots more people i'd met a few gay people etc and i just remember one day having that response to two guys kissing out in public in london i went to uni in london and i was like oh my god i'm my dad I'm literally mm. my dad. Like, oh my God, yeah. I'm doing the same thing he did to me. And I was like, girl, you need to sort this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to therapy. I went to my university. I was like, please help me. Uh, and I went to counseling and it was great to just have this. And she gave me some amazing advice. All of this thoughts and fears and worries about mm. your family and how they're going to accept your gayness, etc. Put all that in a box, put it away for a while. You need to figure it out for yourself first. So yeah. I did that and I... Just went and started to hang out with a really good friend of mine, Romana, who I'm so grateful for helping me on this journey. And she was at a drama school, so she knew all the gays, obviously. <laughs> so I went and just hung out with her and hung out with gay people. And I actually came out at like 22 to my friends. I mean, they all knew. Everybody knew. Everybody knew. My mom knew. You know, everybody knew. I was the only one. <laughs> but that's the thing about coming out is that it's about you coming out. It doesn't yeah. matter that everyone knows. It's about that you, you have, finally decided yeah. to say, I'm comfortable and I'm confident. It's really about the self-talk. Like, you forbidden yourself so long and the part where you say like you became your father is so deep yeah. <laughs> yeah we're all like i don't want to be this man and we all like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree at the end yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we just yeah. copy and it's so interesting did the move to go to counseling came by yourself like yeah uh, yeah i knew i needed to do something really and then yeah. i was like okay and i knew off counseling and it just got to the point where i was like i'm fucking done wow. like <laughs> waiting i just need to sort this out even though there's like <laughs> stigma around mental health etc and i just went and and that woman was amazing she really really helped me Mm. and then i came out as gay to some of my close friends started to be a gay and then the ricardo part came a little bit later so when i was like 23 24 i was 24 i went to a creative arts festival radical 
Creative Arts Festival in Spain, in Europe. <clears throat> and that is where Ricardo was born. I basically was at a point in my life where I wanted to make big changes and I was going to move to Colombia and I didn't end up going because I got this amazing job in the UK. So instead of going to Colombia, I went to Manchester. I was like, oh, oh What an exotic uh, choice. <laughs> so I kind of was like pissed because going to Colombia was the first decision I felt I'd made for myself entirely. Like my entire life, I'd gone to holidays or I'd gone to festivals or I'd done things because at least one of the person I knew was going or there was mm. a group of people going mm. and they all wanted to go and most of my friends were straight you know I never really had a chance to explore who I was and because I am different this Columbia thing was my thing like the first authentic decision I'd made really and then it didn't happen so I was like okay I'm gonna do something else so here's a cute story for you I think I was like 21 and I was at this festival working on a bar with my friends <clears throat> and one of my friends her dad Our uncle, James PB, was in a band and they performed at the festival. So on the Sunday, I was partying with the band. Oh my God, so cool. Um, <laughs> partying with these like four-year-old men and my friends went to bed uh, and I stayed up all night with them going wild. And then in the morning, James PB was like, you know what, Richard, you would love this festival called Nowhere Festival. You should go. Mm. Oh my God, oh my God. So then for like four years, I was always trying to get people to go. I was like, let's go to this festival. It looks so cool. It looks so weird, so secret, so arty. Let's go. And no one would ever go with me. So after four years, when the Columbia thing didn't happen, I went, girl, go to this festival, <laughs> do something for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I booked a ticket, went on my own. I used the name Ricardo as like a moniker because then I was like, if I have a different name, I can do more things. And yeah. none of it yeah. will come back to me. <laughs> no one knows it was me. So I went to this festival as Ricardo and then my entire world changed. It was like this complete playground that had been created by volunteers and other amazing hippies mm. for you to just express yourself. Like workshops all day and all night. It's like kind of a spin-off of a Burning Man kind of thing, but mm. like hasn't lost its authenticity. Shade. Um, <laughs> and then my life was just these festivals for four years and I just was like creating. I, uh, and I did it all voluntary. I didn't get paid a penny. For four mm. years, it was like, comms lead for one festival performance lead for the next one managing art grants for the next one and i just had four years of like working with artists all over europe and all over the world like making really cool radical art expressing myself me ex sexually physically mentally meditation all of the things i have so many wild stories that are not appropriate for this podcast <laughs> and um <laughs> it's just the space where i like started to figure out who, who I was and what I liked and it was a place where all of those things about me that I was terrified of or the scariest things about me were completely celebrated like everybody mm. fucking loved it I would like prance around in a dress and everyone was like oh my god you're so fabulous and amazing and I was like oh my god yeah. like <laughs> I know right <laughs> and I never forget like I was in one in Denmark and I joined like a queer camp And I had this amazing experience at this queer camp. And a lot of the people, what you would call straight, they were in like male, female, cis male, cis female couples. I thought it would just be gays and fags everywhere and I'd be getting orgies.com. But um, <laughs> it was lots of like male, female couples. And I was like confused. I was like, hang on, this is a queer camp. What's going on, you guys? And then it just like made me realize that queer is like way more than just sexuality and way more than just being a gay man. And everyone was just celebrating this idea of queerness. And I remember being on the plane and going back and that fear of telling my, because my family still didn't know. I hadn't mm -hmm. come out to my family. Yeah. That feeling of fear had changed the excitement. And I was like, I'm excited. I was like, no longer is this thing the worst thing for the first part of my life, the worst and scariest thing about me 
terrifying secret and now it's like the best part of me and i've if you're managed to flip that yeah it is the most fucking amazing experience now it's the thing that makes me money it's the things that love me people love about me it's the thing that i love about myself and i think it's just a massive gift i'm just so lucky that i got to this point this is so inspirational come on everyone (laughs) (laughs) like you know it's like your story is like really a great example like the moment when we show who we are and what we love in the essence that's when suddenly everything fall into their place. That's when you, I don't know, money, the right job, whatever, it just comes. And when you told your story, it seems that at the beginning, since childhood, until you went to therapy, you were like split between two personality. You have your gay side, but you're kind of rejecting it so hard. So basically you had the homophobic side and the gay side of yourself. That must be an interesting coexistent yeah. <laughs> within. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> going to therapy. I imagine that you you needed to dissolve that it, conflict. Yeah, it, it it makes you very like solo. Like for example, like I could only explore those parts of myself in secret in my bedroom. So I spent a lot of time alone. Mm. I would spend a lot of time alone. Although I'm extremely sociable and comfortable talking to people, I still to this day I still need a lot of time to myself in my room because I'm just used to it. Like from such a young age, I spent so much time alone because that was the only time that I could be my hundred percent myself at that time. <laughs> and yeah, it's weird. Amazing that after that you managed to process it and the moment you decide I'm gonna do something for yourself, that when you were actually probably ready to claim yourself yes and no the way i feel about it of course everyone's gonna have different opinions on this is i it happened so i'm glad it happened and i got there myself and there's strength in that at the same time bitch why did someone not come the fuck up to me at Mm. 10 and be like you're gay we're gonna go talk take you to a counselor to talk about this and you could have saved me eight years of fucking trauma (laughs) do you know what i mean it's like this balance of like yes you do need to come to that place yourself but you don't need to figure it out yourself like so people can help you you know what i mean yeah, create yeah. a fucking space for queer kids to come out because just sitting there and be like we're waiting <laughs> they've got to get to it in their own time they're a child they don't know and they're getting so many mixed messages from the world i would have preferred someone to just grab oh really me and like, you're a fag we're gonna talk about mm. this i really would have wished that would have happened because it would it would have been tough and it doesn't mean that i still wouldn't have had to find my own way i still would have had to got there myself but it would have saved me years it's interesting it's interesting i think i think it's it's also like i I think there wasn't enough people that was ready to mentor at that time because society was so i don't know shit yeah uh, i I still don't know shit (laughs) (laughs) but i I think you're mentoring a lot now so like you're trying to create that space let's talk about england because it's where you you grew up england is doing better these days oh 100 i I feel the world is doing better it's a hard thing to say definitely things have progressed a lot Mm. i think it's better for individuals because there's so much more reference points. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. is the world a safer place for gay people? Maybe. Is the world now having all these going back on gay on like gay rights? Yes. You know, we're having to fight again and we're losing rights again and it sucks. Mm. But that doesn't mean that like young gay kids don't have more access and more visibility and more yeah. examples yeah. of what they can be because that I, was the problem for I, me i'm curious yeah. actually to because you said like you wish someone would tell you that you are gay and i wonder how would you tell a kid who might not be ready to tell the person that ah, hey you are gay when you said that you you were homophobic but you know that you are gay inside as well if someone drag you uh, say like hey hey man you are gay <laughs> 
like how, how would and that reaction be, a bit be? Better than that. <laughs> <laughs> you're again yeah. get over it for me it's about reference points when yes. i was a young gay when i was a young gay boy um <laughs> I had no positive references of yes. a gay lifestyle. There was not, uh. I cannot tell you one example of a happy, normal gay person living a life with married or having a job, whatever. My only references of gayness was, oh, the fuck, there's a TV show. I can't remember what it's called and everyone's going to kill me. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like one of my favorite things. And it, uh, like when I was like eight or nine years old, <clears throat> I remember my auntie, I was playing wrestling with my cousin and my auntie was watching this Queer as Folk. Oh my God, oh, yes. don't kill me gays. <laughs> Queer as Folk changed my life. I live. The British one, by the way, not the American one. Ugh. So the, it's called Queer as Folk and she was like watching it. But then every time the gay sex scenes come on, she would flick off the screen. Mm. But my gay eye was catching those two seconds. Um, <laughs> so my only reference point up until like 10 years old of gayness was this really club dirty sex life and obviously that's still prevalent today that a lot of people see gay people as HIV or dirty sex or Mm. drugs or whatever because that's what we have so many those were the only references on television and if you don't know something if you've never experienced or seen someone living something then how you don't know that you can have it yeah so it's about like what's better now is that we have all of on tv and on the internet and in life you have all these examples of queer people living happy mm-hmm. fabulous lifestyles so as a young queer person you can be like oh i can have a happy life and be gay whereas when i was young i didn't have that yeah. there was yeah. no one telling me that you can be gay and it's going to be great like if you're gay you're going to die of hiv or you're going to be hated by everyone or you're going to be beaten up your whole life there's no happiness at the end of it so you're never going to walk down that path so we need to have in schools and we need to have in families and in communities and society the fact that you can be whoever you want and create whatever life you want like we're talking about here creators in Saigon like you you can use your imagination to create any Mm -hmm. life you want because the rest of the world outside is somebody else's imagination like exactly it's interesting it's It's interesting I'm I'm trying to in, in, in some way compare it to my own my own experience exploring sexuality and intimacy and all those things because because it took me a while to understand that you know sexuality wasn't a spectrum i started exploring uh, i guess for me the exploration was more sexual like you know i was playing with men mm-hmm. and I, i remember i started this when i was like 19 20 you know very in secret and it was like all oh, this shame that i had like you know mm-hmm. i needed this like i wanted to be desired and i couldn't have this from woman yeah i guess but i wanted the intimacy from woman But I just wanted that sexual, like, primal, like, I want you from men. And uh, I remember every time I was hooking up with a guy, you know, he would look at me and was like, so what are you? And at that time, that was like, so 19 years old, I was like, probably uh, almost 20 years ago. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I'm gay. And maybe I'm bi. Because at that time, there was just straight, bisexual, or gay. Yeah. And then, <laughs> <laughs> 400 different words yeah, yeah and then and then like everybody would look at me and it, usually it was older older white men <laughs> yeah daddy <laughs> that's my face <laughs> and it, they would all look at me and it was like obviously you know older white men would always go like you're gay you know and, and it would make me so angry because it was like who are you to label me? I don't know. And I'm trying to explore. And so like when you're talking about like, I wish someone would have come to me and say like, you're gay. I'm like, yeah, people did this to me. And it took me actually 15 years when like the word heteroflexible became like available. I was like, yeah. oh, there is something in between straight and bisexual that separate intimacy to sexuality. Because I wanted the intimacy, like uh, hugging, kissing and all the things with the, with the female presence. 
but I wanted like you know that sex with anyone yeah. anyone that would desire me I'll be like okay down for it <laughs> and it took me yeah. a while to when that label came out I was like okay I'll, I'll pick that one I'll, now I have yeah. a reference point now I can go and look for people that have the same experience than me and so it's interesting to yeah. just I, I just want to clarify like thank you for sharing that yeah. I think that's a really fabulous um, story that we rarely hear people yeah. are rarely so <laughs> confident to share something like that I think exactly. it's uh, really yeah. important to hear <laughs> that you can express different yeah. parts of yourself with different people yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's literally what you just said yeah, yeah. um but I, I simplified it by saying you're gay like, <laughs> <laughs> i didn't you know I, I don't want parents to be like you're gay but here's a wig I, I massively simplified it what i mean is like just sharing that like yeah. examples hey by the way do you know young six-year-old like so, some men decide to start a family with another man and they mm -hmm. ha can have children and they can have a fabulous job and Here's an example of this family in this storybook. And here's an example of a family who are transgender. And here's an example of yeah. a guy who has cuddles with a woman, but then uh, <laughs> makes the bees and the birds. Like, <laughs> the bees with a man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like, there are different, uh, that's what I mean. It's yeah. like just opening the scope of what is available mm -hmm. to a young person yeah. to create with their life. It's, yeah. um, Something I wanted to, something popped into my mind while I was listening to Tracy's and your stories that actually sexuality is also like, it requires creativity. Because I remember when I went to, to Pride in Amsterdam and I participated in the Uber Pride boat in Amsterdam, there were like so many flags regarding terms of for sexuality. There are so many labels. If you Google up, yeah. they're just like, I don't know, hundreds? Maybe not hundreds, yeah, but, no, but, but a lot. Hundreds, yeah. I wonder how necessary they are because actually it just, it's your own definition, but someone make it easier for you by, you know, already creating those labels or pick one that feels like resonates with you. But actually everybody would might need to be more creative in terms of how you define your own sexuality in not just that. I mean, it's good that you find the label heterofluidity or what was it? Heteroflexibility. Heteroflexibility. But actually, it's like up to anyone to uh, create a label for I, themselves. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not too sure. I'll, I'll, I'll give my, my two cents on it. I think it's not about, I, I don't let the label define you, but you're, you're allowed to like, you know, own up to a, a label because it allows you to express a side of yourself. So you have like a framework to work with, which yeah. I didn't have before. But if you take a label for like anywhere in the 27 type of sexuality <laughs> now and you, you go, okay, now this label has rules and I'm going to follow those rules, then you're, again, forbidding yourself to create, to express yourself authentically. For me, those labels are just here to, to give you a framework, a structure, not to constrain you in a way. Yes. It, yeah, yeah I, I think I agree. For me, because like people ask me a lot. I mean, I love, because every time I do a podcast with straight people, because the world of <laughs> queers is very heated right now, like yeah. in terms of language and stuff. So I love it because every podcast is straight people. So, um, um, so what are your pronouns? You know, I, I don't know anything about this. So I, I really just don't want to offend you. And I find it so funny because for me, I'm unoffendable on this. I am me. I do what I want with who I want, how I want, with consent. <laughs> 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 sorry so for me they're not important per se but i think having the words to communicate what you are a really interesting example of this is i heard someone recently who is a gay man but who's interested in and is attracted to trans men if that makes sense and that specifically yeah. is what mm. who they want to create their lives with and there's like a word i can't even remember what the word is <clears throat> and they just said like 
just having that word to be able to communicate and talk about it then allows them to express themselves. So it's about using mm-hmm. these terms to to open dialogue so mm-hmm. you can talk about what you are rather than letting it define who you are. Because, of course, I personally feel that all of these structures in society of, like, defining ourselves is really annoying. Yeah. For example, this whole issue people have with the word non-binary, I'm like, do you expect 7 billion people to fall into two categories of man and woman? Yeah. 7 billion yeah. people? What else do we have that we would put into two categories? Yeah. So simple. It's, like, impossible. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And it is. I... Just think in general, bringing it to queer people like and lifestyles and creators is that a big thing that for me that I'm so lucky to have found and that the thing behind gender funk is that society is just this created thing of rules and expectations and whatever and behaviors. But this I read, I saw this amazing woman really capture it perfectly recently. It's like, is that this entire world that we live in, it's somebody else's imagination. And if we think about yeah. whose imagination is it, it's white colonial people's imagination. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah. hundred years ago, I read the same. these dudes were like, right, how do we see the world? We see the world as us at the top, and women have to wear this, and gays are not allowed, and you have to work your whole ass off and produce so we can make shitloads of money, nah, 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 and you will go to university and get into 40 grand a day and you'll do this and you'll do that. And we all follow it like little chickens and our parents sell it to us. Our parents are in on yeah. the scandal. They're like, yes, you go and get into 40 grand of debt before you've started your life. And then yes, go and work and slave for that company for the whole of your life. And then at the end, when you're 60, you get like a little bit of money each time. And this is somebody else's idea. Like it's, completely made up Mm -hmm. and i think the what the gift of being gay although there is this absolute real pain because we don't fit into that idea Mm. and we're like demonized and villainized within it the thing is that when you do accept that you're gay you've broken this massive lie you've told your whole life that gay is wrong by this structure and when you realize it's not wrong you're like hang Mm. on a minute if they lied to me about this what else have they lied about it brings the whole world crashing down and for me now that has just led me on this spiral of being like okay so they lied about my sexuality they've lied about gender they've lied that i need to work like this they've lied that i need to do this that i need to respect this person for nothing or blah 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 blah. and there's like 10 million different ways and then then you really get into life and you're like oh my god i can be creative with my life and Mm -hmm. like how i live my life i don't have to do what everybody else does because they're only doing it because somebody else told them to do it so i really do think that being queer is like a massive gift because it just pulls off the first lie and then just cut the bullshit yeah and you just get this fabulous <laughs> chance to like recreate and you see it in queer world like the way we have sex is so much more liberated the way we dress ourselves is so much more liberating and obviously within those communities there are new structures form you know <laughs> and the, the power struggle continues but you do see in like queer communities or in different PSA communities completely fabulous and more free ways of expressing yourself so you know you get a lot of pain but you get a lot of freedom at the same time it resonates with me so much i'm just like reflecting on like of a life of a heterosexual (laughs) (laughs) poor (laughs) poor me i do feel now hearing you is like poor me because many of us like also want to break out of the structure we also want to not living the life like living working hard retirement i'm a woman you are a man this is what we're supposed to do together we're supposed to reproduce have a xyz job listen to that politician follow that kind of working life structure etc 
we just have this breaking point later on in life mm-hmm. because we are not exposed so much to disapproval from others like the the gay community from a very young age yes. so i i do see now oh my god you guys <laughs> have an amazing eye opening experience mm-hmm. from so early on and i wish many of us who didn't have to go through that much struggle to open our eyes as well as you and uh, what i wanted to say is that i feel like the gay community has such an important role on opening people's eyes not only in terms of gender but in terms of society in general like hey guys they are the rules that you are following is really in our imagination but they've been doing it i mean i think the community i mean the gay community in every series that i've lived in are driving force of the creative uh, process i think yeah, like for in sure. france in, in in toronto in montreal in england and in, in australia like i mean it's it's hard to talk in generalization so i'd rather talk about personal experience because we I, i like saying that the gays is already for me i, I I get a little bit oh, yeah, <laughs> it's a straight thing. Yeah, the queer, the, queer is yeah, a better word. I queer find. is a better like, word. Yeah. It means it's a bigger umbrella of yeah. stuff. Um, I I know what you're saying. Like for me, for sure, there's a lot to be learned from like looking at different communities and how mm-hmm. they behave and like. So yeah, in relation <laughs> to that, I I definitely do think there's a lot to be learned from different communities and how they structure themselves or the freedoms that they have. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's our responsibility um, yeah. to teach anyone anything like we've got enough of our shit to deal with and <laughs> we're still fighting for our rights so yeah. however the issue i actually have an issue with the, this i'm happy for this global acceptance this growing acceptance of queer people and how it's being brought into society more let's say but i actually don't like it as much i mean i definitely like the reference points i definitely like the more acceptance and people having more access but for me it feels like we're being homogenized it feels like we're being what's happening is like hey let's bring queer people into this big power mm. structure and yeah. let's bring them in because then if they're inside the structure at least we can make money off them and at least we can keep them on this path that they need to be on of having kids and having the career and blah 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 and i'm like we don't want that like the whole point of us is to be radical and to break away from that and now it yeah. feels to me that we're being brought into that and we're being capitalized again and we're now selling shit to people i look on my instagram and all my the drag queens and of course we have to make money we live in capitalist world but it's like our creativity has been turned into yeah. something that's to sell straight people shit yeah. and for me this is not what i'm about like, this is not what we are we're better than this we're more than this we're more than just like the little show ponies of straight people like or the straight structure yeah. and society like we are an example of just create the little world around yourself and live it authentically and beautifully and kindly and liberated mm-hmm. we don't need yeah. to I th- yeah i i totally be accepted yeah. like i'm not asking for acceptance i'm inviting you to celebrate yeah. how fabulous i am <laughs> <laughs> and i think i think this conversation goes beyond queerness or gayness yeah, where for sure. it's like in in art and you wanted to talk about art i feel like it's the struggle of every artist that goes You know the what entices people is the the expression of your true self like you know in every artist when you're capable of creating something that is authentically yourself people are drawn to it or at least people that are going to be drawn to it are because they connect with this yeah. and then so I think in the queer community you know when you have that sense of freedom and you can express yourself in in such authentic way people are drawn to that yeah, and course. then there is capitalism that comes in and goes like oh you can market yeah. this or you can like now sell your art and then you can make money out of this 
And I think that's where people, the struggle comes in where like, you know, it's not about self-expression anymore. It's about making money. Yeah. And that's the struggle all the time. I feel like, you know, whether it's queerness or an artist or anyone, like you're trying to capitalize on your self-expression. Yeah, and, and also leading on for that, and this is a very current thing that I'm feeling, and I think it's a confusing thing to express, is that I found recently that I'm having a difficulty because I love drag. Drag as an art form for me is like, I mean, drag is the perfect tool to break out of mm -hmm. what everyone's told you to be because you literally have this art form that allows you to create whatever you want like with your body and your illusion, like you can literally create an illusion of yourself or you can yeah. create a new version of yourself and everybody responds to it. When I put my drag makeup on and walk into the room, I can tell anyone to do anything and they will do it straight away. And that power is crazy. And it's crazy to, to understand. And that power is still available. RuPaul says this, I'm stealing it. <laughs> and that power is available to me outside of drag. Like it's not because I put the makeup on that it starts working. I literally still have that power without the drag on. And... So I do love drag, but drag has become so global and so big. Now, like everybody's drag mm. feels very straight right now to me. And there are straight people doing lots of drag nights and all the straight people are involved in drag. And it's this clash within me because on the one hand, I, of course, and gender funk is not actually a gay night. It's queer, but every human being has gender issues, mm -hmm. especially in this bloody world. So... Yeah. You know, of course, heterosexual people should have access to this art form and be able to explore their gender, of course, because they have loads of gender issues. Straight men have the worst gender issues out of everyone, I feel. Mm -hmm. So I'm so happy. And I, I, myself, I've organized straight men drag shows, biological women drag shows, you know, and I champion that everyone should have access to drag. I think the difficulty is this clash because obviously i have all this pain attached like this the, the artistic expression of drag and drag being such a queer thing mm -hmm. that's also attached to my pain and my suffering and my struggle so to yeah. see people using it without having to go through the struggle but they are they've gone through a different struggle it feels like you're taking something that's yeah. so precious to me but i need to understand that and let go and be like they didn't create my trauma like that's nothing to do with their expression that's my shit like well it's not even my shit it's the <laughs> shit that was put on me mm. so i really am in this phase where i have to understand that even though i'm feeling emotional and i have this huge attachment to this art form and i feel like it belongs to me and my community it really doesn't it's just that the added emotions and the struggle we've had to go through But even going further than that, the last five months I did, I had a really difficult time in the UK. I mean, we've all had a difficult time, you know, <laughs> pandemic. But, I, but it, and I just had this moment of like really going back to my roots and meditating a lot and lying on the floor for months and just going through all this pain and trauma. And honestly, I had such a magical um, moment of just being like, All of my anger, because which is what drove my drag and what drove gender funk for so long was this radical anger and fierceness of being like, you want gay? I'm going to give you gay. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to scream gay and faggotry in every single person's face as much as possible because I have all that pain and all that suffering of me not being able to do it. And from the world, this really oppressive straight world telling me to calm down and to not dress like that and to not be yourself, which happens every day. I can't walk down the street holding hands with someone with another guy without having four thousand eyes staring at me like 
there's so much that I have to hold back. I'm always yeah. holding myself back in the world because you can't handle me or you've never seen enough of me. But why do I always have to hold myself back? Why don't you step yourselves up? Mm. But I had this for a long time and it was what was driving me. But I've recently realized that none of this belongs to me. All of this idea that gay is wrong and all of that trauma and all that bullshit, it literally never came from me. It came from everybody else telling me that this is a thing. And even now, people telling me, oh, but you have this trauma. And it is important to talk about trauma and trauma is real. I'm not denying it. But I have managed to come to a point, not fully, obviously, (laughs) where I'm like, I have let go of a lot of my queer trauma because... It never belonged to me in the first place. I was born perfectly fine. And if we look back into even recent history, queer people were fully amazing members of society. There are even words, if you go back, we have to look back into Aboriginal cultures or like uh, more ancient cultures. The Native Americans, for example, have the word two-spirit, which is, it means non-binary. It's Mm -hmm. the fucking same thing. Mm -hmm. These words and these terms and these people have existed. We have existed for so long and we had positions in society were conflict mediators were entertainers were fortune tellers were the spiritual guides like in vietnam the fortune tellers are non-gendered people if you go to thailand they're traveling troops of transgendered people in australia you have aboriginal people who they have words in the philippines for non-gendered people like we've existed for centuries and it's only in recent history that big corporate religions villainized us because Mm -hmm. we got in the way of their power structure we got in the way of people reproducing which means control of the population and we got in the way of their spiritual goals so they villainized us my big thing now and what i'm moving into is that us as queer people i do feel we're a bit lost we were fabulous and we were part of society and we were allowed to thrive in the daylight and that is definitely And then that was taken from us and we've been villainized for so long that that villainization, we've adopted it. And there's fun in the villainy, of course, Mm. and I've definitely played with the villainy. But I feel like it's time that we started. Where are we going as queer people? Are we really going into this like capitalist being accepted by the straight world and just being the show monkeys? Or can we just create something new? Like, are we really just going to gather in the nightclubs all the time in the dark and the dirty? (laughs) No, we're allowed to be outside in the light. We're allowed to be meditating together we're allowed to be like loving each other we're allowed to be making art together outside like and i think it's time that we return to i feel like there's such a huge focus on our queer trauma and how much we've been beaten down and we're using it as a token or like as a way to get value i've suffered so much and i'm struggling so Mm. much and value in the trauma and i'm like girl the value is in that trauma is not what we are that's not what we are. It exists, but it isn't what we are. Like, that's just been, we've been told that lie for too long. Like, let's step yeah. outside of it that's and go, good. yes, I have this shit experience. And yes, it's tough. And yes, it's horrible. But I'm not going to hold on to this and drag it everywhere I go. Because every conversation, it feels like we create people. There has to be a sob story. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need, I'm not yeah. fierce and amazing because of all the bad things that happened to me. I already was fierce and amazing. I just had to go through that shit because everyone put all these walls in front of me. I could have done it without all this struggle. Like, but the struggle is struggling is part of life, of course. So I just feel that I hope I've expressed myself well no, at this it's point. Super it's, well, it's, it's super new super for me. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't want to have to tell you how hard my life was every time mm-hmm. uh, I ex- show you my art. Like, my art's fucking fierce enough. Like, mm. yeah, like uh, what I kind of hear is kind of first this phase of acceptance first, acceptance that. Yeah, this happened, shit happened, and it's okay. And what I hear from you that you want this queer community, just not all about like show to people for them to accept you. 
but to become like a creative form like this is what we do and this is the amazing things we can do yeah period and and nothing more else and i of course i cannot i don't know how what you've been exactly through but i'm as a woman i feel like women are also marginalized and we (laughs) we, we also have to come to this space when we first accept how we how we were marginalized in the past in terms of what other society tell us in terms of jobs, in terms of what role we have to take within a family. We have to first really forgive, accept, okay? They told us all this shit in the past and now accept and then move on. How to show the world that it's not about whether you are a woman or a man or whatever. It's about who you are as a human being and what you can put on the table. And that's what matters. Nothing yes. else. Yeah, exactly. Is it, yes. Isn't it maybe some of the? I'm, I'm I'm feeling like right now you're you're finding balance. I think maybe like you know the when you started expressing Ricardo, like there was a, it was more a reaction to what society was telling you. You know, when you say radical expression, it's like a provocation and like just reacting like in anger to what was. And today you're you're trying to find that balance of who you are within the we of the queerness. I would say that my the ricardo phases and that part of me was was one yeah it was a reaction in part but it was it was a reaction that came from me you Mm -hmm. know like i hadn't expressed myself for so long so it was me it Mm -hmm. is me expressing myself yeah i think a lot of the drive and a lot of the motivation Mm -hmm. was fuck you yeah (laughs) radical as fuck like you think i'm disgusting i'm gonna yeah, show it to you in, like, <laughs> all the dirtiest shit and like, yeah. cake off the floor like you know mm. and i did lots of shows around that and uh, i think queer people will, like we really do gravitate towards villains and the darkness etc and that and it's great i'm not saying mm. those things are bad mm. i'm really not like i had a great time don't get me wrong <laughs> and i did some cool art and we've done some fabulous things and there's nothing wrong with that i also just feel that like it yeah it's even now, like, that I'm successful and people see value in me, I suppose. Like, when the conversation starts, it's always like, oh, I don't want to offend you. Or, oh, like, you've been through so much. And I'm like, yeah, we all have. <laughs> like, everyone has. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that... I feel like it's still being held on by us all. Like, And I feel like queer people are doing that themselves. We're bringing it with us. Like, If you look on lots of social media right now, and if you look at the queer media, whatever, mainstream media... It's a lot of, my life's so tough, sub, 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 I've been through tough things. And that is true, it's valid, I'm not taking that away, I've Mm -hmm. lived it. But that is not what we are. We are a person who was perfect at birth, we were fabulous at birth, and we've just been told that it's all shit and all this damage and blah, 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 and it's bad, blah, blah. But in the reality is, we're... But I'm just a human yeah. being and like my queerness is one part of me yeah. like, it doesn't yeah. define yeah. me it's just one part of me yeah. and there are other parts of me there's a very spiritual parts of me there's I, physical parts yeah, I think it's uh, because like we're talking truthfully about generational traumas right here uh-huh. yeah. passing down and, and you know whether like you know for us as, as big kids like we have like some generational traumas to deal with in the queer community too I feel it's a, it's a balance of, of when I see you and it's it's purely observational at this point is you reach a point in your life where you know your physical age and also your emotional maturity and your spiritual maturity are coming to a to a balance and this is I think what's what makes the tension in the queer community is because you have a lot of people that are using you, you know that that victim dialogue because yeah. it's so accessible yeah, of course. but yet lack the the wisdom to talk about it or lack the the, the emotional maturity and this 
sometimes no spiritual like maturity at all. And then so they just use what is again like accessible to them to express maybe a side of their ego that that has been you know like pushed down. And so I think it's relatable in all types of communities, but I, I can see that right now, again, observational, like you're reaching a point where you're reviewing those years, you know, the radical uh, anger, and then you're like, okay, what can I do now? Me as Ricardo, or me as Esther, yeah. that yeah. is more mature in, in terms of spirituality and, and more mature in terms of emotionality. And like, you know, it's not just a physical reactions of things. Yeah, and I think it's it's a lot of, like, I'm tired. Like, I was tired. Like, holding on to all that anger is yeah. exhausting. Like, yeah. and feeling yeah. like you're fighting. Because, like, for a very long time, from six years old, you know, I've been fighting. Like, yeah. fighting, 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 fighting. And after a while, you're like, I don't need to fight. Yeah. So why am I fighting? But that anger is... Like, coach coach question right now. It's Can like... I... Uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> it's just because, like, I kind of see... Because I see it from a woman perspective, like... I'm coming from a very traditional background where women has a certain role. And when you talk about that phase of anger, I feel like it's always necessary for anyone who's been suppressed to express that anger because anger is when we shout out like, hey, I am this, hey, I want this. Mm -hmm. And we have that anger because we've been quiet for so long. Mm -hmm. And as women as well, they also have through this phase like, being a good girl of society, this yeah. is what you do, this is how you behave, this is how you yeah. look, you have to look pretty, etc. And the moment comes when I see many women, including me, we just start to get radical, crazy, whatever label we put on it, when we just shout out our anger. And that's so important to grow, to personal growth, to really just go crazy for us. Like, do it, guys. Anyone who is listening, go crazy at some point of your life. Yeah, let it out. Let um, it out. Oh, you need that. that. And that went... Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal meth. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you feel like you need, okay? <laughs> and um, after that, once yeah. we kind of shout out all our anger, that's when we can calm down, I, like, okay, it's empty. <laughs> and that's when we realize that Actually, our anger, what we shout it out, that's us. I, we just not make peace yeah. with it. And then, okay. So the no. question for both of you and, and that I have is then how do you let go of anger? How did you let go of your anger? Or are you still, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm angry about something still. Like anger anger's an, an emotion, you know? Yeah, like, but, um, so there is the anger that comes, like, you know, like for a situation that happens in the present moment, you'll feel anger and you'll express it. But the anger, the traumas of the past, how did you manage to let them go? Because that's the big part of growing yeah. up. I think, like, de definitely getting older helped. Although she's still young, dog. <laughs> <laughs> de yeah, yeah. I don't. I'm actually beyond your human calendar. Um, <laughs> mere mortals. So mm. I think, like, definitely over time, like, having more experiences, learning more things is, like, really useful, like, knowledge, etc. And perspective change is, like, really important. But for me, it was... I had to feel it. Like I had to stop mm. trying to run away from it or stop trying to fight it and stop the screaming and the running and the parties and the whatever and the dulling and the numbing and the drinks and the drugs. I had to stop it all and I had to lie the fuck down and just let myself feel 
all of that shit that I've been trying to not feel for so long. And yeah. not just me, but generations of people have not been feeling it. Fuck. And because the yeah. generations before me didn't have the tools or the knowledge to feel it, or maybe they weren't in a safe enough space to feel it. And I actually, an example of this I can give you is when I was back in the UK, I went to this witch exhibition. Um, and it, it was this uh, collective of women who are modern day witches and are reclaiming that title. And it was an exhibition where that a memorial of all the women who were burnt during the burning times. So in the 1800s, tens of thousands of witches, women were accused of being a witch by the church and were burnt at the stake. And men as well. And this situation created a thing where women lost connection to nature because if you were yeah. seen connecting with nature, you're a witch, you're burnt. They lost their connection to each other because when they would torture women until they would say the names of their friends. So women stopped being friends with each other. Uh, women stopped being powerful in their communities because women used to be the leaders of the communities. They were the medicine women. The witches were just medicine women. But religion wanted to come on in. Thanks, Catholicism. Mm. We love you. <laughs> um, came on in and had to remove that structure. So for hundreds of years, there's this trauma of women, this generous trauma that's been passed on and on and on. And then these women now in the modern day are creating these environments and spaces to come together and it was one of the most beautiful places i've ever been to women hugging each other crying bursting into song and they were like their message is like we now are safe enough and powerful enough to feel yeah. that trauma and we need to feel it for everyone and we need mm -hmm. to let it out and we need to express it and let it into exactly. the universe and when i saw this i was like these women are like the future of women. They've, they know where they're going. They know what they're about and they're leading the way for women. And I just watched it. And I was like, where are we going as queer people? And it's, it's just stuck with me so much. I'm like, we have all this generational trauma and like, are we letting it out? Are we expressing it? Mm -hmm. Are we dealing with it? Are we, or are we holding on to it and we are carrying it forward? Or are we walking straight back into the people who gave it to us in the first place? And I yeah. just don't feel that, I'm comfortable with where queer, the queer. I think we could be doing something else. I think we, I don't think we know where we're going yet. And I also, think I like return to nature. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, queer yeah. world does feel there's lots of superficial yeah. parts of the queer world, but and they're great for expressing yourself and having fun. Yeah. But it's like where are the queer people? Where I, in I, I'm completely there with you. Like what you mm -hmm. because to come back to Tracy's question is when we have anger. What I feel is the source. We're angry because we don't have what we want. Or we feel like we cannot do what we want. And the source of it can be indifferent. A different story for everyone. But that's the main source of anger. When we feel like we can't have it. We, we cannot be who we want to be. Mm. And the moment we embrace that, actually, I can be who I want to be. That's when we start to be in peace with ourselves. And our anger starts to calm down and you can and of course we have to feel it because that's the process of like dealing with anger feeling the anger but the moment we realize like i can be who i fuck fuck i want to be do whatever i want in my life create whatever i want in my life yeah. that's when we realize it okay the realization is one thing not having like realizing after that you don't have the tool to be what you want to be <laughs> sometimes make people fall back to anger i think because it's easier yeah, and also, let's be real, like, yeah. we're talking about this from a wealthy 
Yeah, exactly. If you live in Bangladesh on the street, you, ain't, yeah. you can't just be like, I can create whatever I want. Like, you know, I can't. Like, and that's an important thing that we should know. Like, all of us, like, you know, we're extremely lucky individuals who can mm-hmm. sit here and talk about we're finding ourselves and we're letting out our angers because there are mm-hmm. billions of people in the world who don't have that opportunity. Like, you know, yeah. we live in a world where. The, everyone's on seven different social media platforms yeah. being bombarded by absolutely perfect people which is fake it's all fake like, <laughs> like yeah. it's not real it's a it's false <laughs> and so we're being bombarded constantly that we need to look absolutely perfect and yeah. gorgeous every man and women obviously have this worse than anyone um so it's hard, you know, like, really especially hard. for young people, you're yeah. being bombarded, like with all these images, all these expectations. And although, you know, we are learning to express ourselves more and we're learning that we can definitely that there are more options for us. It seems that all of those options now have this high expectation mm. attached to it as well. I know that being a queer man like 10 years ago was so much easier than it is now. Now, like with the increased visibility yeah. of gay men. It's all muscle, yeah. perfect, gorgeous, <gasps> stunning gay men. And if you don't look like one and you're not mask enough, then you're not good enough. And it's just like, what? Like, I can, I could, and it's, this is something I've struggled with my whole life is that people always looking at me like as if I'm not as put together as them or I'm not, because I'm not dressed the way everybody else dresses. I'm not clean, not to say the word clean, that's as sound like I'm dirty. <laughs> not dirty, but. People met because I'm quite. I'm actually quite a big hippie in my, in my heart. Um, I'm usually just wearing a piece of fabric, like floaty fabric, floating around, and people just associate that with being a bum or being homeless. Yeah. Because, and yeah, I've always felt like a lot from the queer society or people in general that I'm not put together enough as they would expect. Yeah. And yeah. but really, I'm like, but I'm happy with just my room and doing my bit of art and getting my bit of money and doing my meditation. Like, I'm really, really happy. And like, yeah. is all of your being on Instagram like 4,000 hours a day or buying all these clothes or getting all this surgery, is that making you happy? Are you happy? Yeah. Spe- are you spending yeah. all this energy? Is it worth the value at the end? Because I'm finding value in like really simple, basic shit. Like we're um, talking about mindfulness here. Let's talk about self-care, yeah. actually. Sorry, I cut you off. No, cut me off. I'm rambling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, I think it's maybe better to talk about how gender funk wants to bring your... So what's your mission with gender funk? Because mm. I think I feel like this is something we haven't touched up on. This part should be cut. Yeah. I'm just like kind of leading <laughs> the conversation a little bit because we are at one hour, ten minutes. Because I would be interested sorry. to... No, it's okay. Sorry. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I know it's an important topic. She, she has to check on me because I, I can go for like an hour. Oh, girl. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, just keep <laughs> I know we could. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. like, okay, let's do a three-part episode. <laughs> that actually happened last podcast. <laughs> they made a two-part. No, like, this is too good. We're, we're, we're talking about topics that needs to be talked. Because yeah. as you talk about it, you repeat and you understand it more, and, and yeah. so it's it's important. I but go ahead, Monique. Yeah. Just control me. No, no, I don't find it important as well. But I would love to actually dedicate another episode for that because I feel yes, like it's yes, so important. Yes. Of course. But since we have a limited time, yeah, I sh- sure. it would be nice to hear how gender funk. So you said like you want the the narrative about being a drag or in terms of the whole gay community, the narrative to be different, not about acceptance, but also about creation. So how... Do you bring this mission into gender funk 
or how you enrich this mission at the moment? Sure. Um, very interesting question. Thank you for asking. So I started Genderfunk four years ago. I'm the founder. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it really was created out of a necessity, I felt, that when I first moved to Saigon, there wasn't a safe creative space for queer people to party. And then I... And this is something that for the past four or five years, I had exclusively partied or expressed myself in these safe, expressive places. And then on top of that, as we know from this podcast, like I didn't express myself artistically or queerly, queerly, is that a word? Um, <laughs> until I was 23 or 24. And I really, really regretted that waste of time. Mm. So I came here There wasn't a space for people to express themselves like that. And then this night called Full Disclosure started and I went to it and it was super cool, super radical, super raw, just started. And I just started to meet like individual queers, but we weren't really connected. And then I, Full Disclosure, the organizer had to go back to the UK for a while and they asked me and some other people to like help organize it. And that's when I started drag. I started drag here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I started drag and I was organizing full disclosure for a while with some friends. And then I'd had the idea for Genderfunk seven years ago before then as a traveling festival queer disco party. Cool. And I was uh, in Hanoi at this festival called Quest. Rest in peace. If you know the story, girl, it's a good one. Don't have time for it today, but I was at this <laughs> festival Quest and I was like watching this like... Uh, dance kind of troupe thing performance 80s kind of thing and it was amazing and I was high and acid <laughs> and I was watching and I was like oh my god this is exactly kind of the vibe of gender funk and I'm already organizing this night but it's not my night you know and it doesn't have the same philosophy behind it that I would have and I set an intention I was like I'm gonna make gender funk and I'm gonna bring it here next year and one year later I had the exclusive contract for that festival with Gender Funk. And the oh, yeah. festival got cancelled <laughs> at the door. But bitch. You did it. I got in. I was in full drag because we were yeah. supposed to perform that day. And I got in a taxi and I said, give me a phone. And I got a phone. And in 40 minutes, I organized the biggest drag show Hanoi has ever seen. And the next oh day, I earned enough money to pay everyone's transport fees and get everyone a little bit of money. And we threw an insane show. So... That, that was kind of the birth of Genfang and the, the first early stages of Genfang, it was mm. community building. I was like, okay, more performers, more people, let's connect people. So the aim of the show and as Genfang as an organization was, we're a community, we're a safe space for, for you to come and express yourself. Mm -hmm. And we did that through Saigon is Burning, where we had like a competition of drag queens. And I would say after about two years of working in that first part, There are now like 60 to 70 artists that have been launched from Gender Funk um, and an entire new generation of queer artists in the country of Vietnam. Yes, yes fuck you, God, bitch. I'm part of history now. Uh, uh, no, uh, that, that was are, just a cute little... It's true. It's true. But, but in all honesty, like it is the biggest gift I've ever been given by the universe and by Vietnam to allow me to be part of all these people's lives and their art and their expression mm -hmm. when I didn't get to do it at that age. Like, and I felt like I've had so much regret and sadness about all the time I wasted and that I lost not expressing myself to yeah. then make up that time by being part of other people's expression is like the most, the biggest return ever. It's like, so the input output feels completely equal and imbalanced. Yeah. Like, yes, I've yeah. put a lot of effort in, 
<laughs> nearly killed myself <laughs> but i got so much back from everyone and i'm so grateful for all the people who have like worked with me it's been such a wild ride and it worked it i always called it i said it was a platform to build a new scene off and it worked and now like a lot of my drag children uh house of illusion have their own shows that they produce yeah. house of gore have their own shows that they produce House of bloom are having their own shows and now gumamela's doing her own shows nice. and there are other new shows happening um and they have their own children i'm a grandmother now i think i'm actually a great grandmother now in drag <laughs> So it just feels like that goal has been achieved. And because that goal has been achieved, obviously Genderfunk's mission needs to change. So we had a big break. Thanks, pandemic. But Mm. actually, thanks, pandemic. Uh, We had a big break and we are relaunching soon with some changes in mission. Because we are now going to move into a new era of less community focus. I mean, we are still always for the community. Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of responsibility that came with that. And I no longer want to have that responsibility. And I don't think that I'm needed anymore. There needs to be space for new leaders and new queer people and yeah. more Vietnamese ones. And it's already happening. So now I'm gender funk is going to be more of an artistic vehicle for us to explore and express Amazing. new ways of being queer. So we're going to do a lot more workshops, a lot oh, of more exciting. development things. That's exciting. Uh, yeah. And some more s- specific parties that we're going to change the format so it's a place where we can really express ourselves radically again it felt like it got a little bit too clean cut and overproduced so we want to get back to the dark (laughs) roots and Mm. do some weird stuff and a great example of that is i'm going to hanoi this weekend and we're doing a summoning of the four elements in a cave i'm taking a different element and we're going to chant and get the audience to chant with us and summon their basic building blocks of life so it's using like performance and bringing a sense of intention and presence to partying. Mm. Oh, that's amazing. Because I feel that the parties that I was always part of and the festivals I was part of in Europe when I did my crazy European days was leave no trace, radical expression, uh, radical inclusion. Like we had these principles and these values and it was very intentional. And I don't know, I just, a lot of, the the one thing about the partying that I don't like is the littering. They're not taking care of the space. They're not taking care of each other. Uh, And I feel that one of the good things about coming out of this pandemic is that we kind of, as people, have forgotten how to be social. We've forgotten (laughs) what we do. So we have this blank page and we don't have to go back to what was before. We have this blank uh, new opportunity. I call it renaissance. (laughs) <laughs> we have a renaissance period happening where we have this chance to recreate what is the status quo of how we do things, of how we connect with each other, of how we party. And I really want to be a leader in this and be like, hey, when you come to the party, don't throw your shit on the floor. Mm. Don't touch people without consent. Respect people's spaces. Don't get super duper fucked up. Like, <laughs> uh, we still get fucked up. We need to make money on the bar. <laughs> but, <laughs> But, you know, like, there's more than just getting blissed out of your mind. Like, yeah. you can party consciously and you can party in a different way. And That's it's, interesting. there's so much I love more that. value to get from it. So uh, it's really exciting. And I just call this the renaissance because we've had this big traumatic experience collectively as people. Mm. And we've mm-hmm. been locked in and had our lives stolen from us. And now we have this chance to recreate and do things again and we've had this big rest and we've learned things hopefully <laughs> so we can we have this 
new canvas to paint a whole new yeah. life on now this is the time to re and this is applicable for everyone yeah for everyone exactly oh, yes this is such a nice way to see things yeah let's get yeah. excited again let's yeah, get yeah. creative again but let's do it differently let's not go back to before mm-hmm. let's do it with more rest let's do it with taking care of ourselves let's do it with kindness like yeah. what's Amazing, more important yeah. is flexibility like and, and i already see in the way that i'm working like when people are messaging me and dropping out last minute because of a COVID thing or because of their anxiety because of COVID. I'm like, babe, it's totally fine. Right. Whereas I know the person I was before would be really out pissed off for fuck's sake. Now I've got to do this and I've got to mm-hmm. find a person. Mm-hmm. No, what's more important is that you are safe. The show yeah. doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. As long as someone gets on that stage and dances around, people will be happy. Like <laughs> it really isn't important. Yeah. And I think like, I, I hope people have realized what is important after this pandemic and, I think it's just looking after each other and we need lots of kindness and cuddles because we had none yeah. of it. Well, I didn't anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so come cuddle me. I'm on grinder. <laughs> oh, that's so important what you said. I think it's applicable to, to any, anything, anything. Anything. For not, sure. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Love, Thank care you. for each other, intention, consciousness, awareness. Yeah. I think it's a great way to, to finish for today. Ta-da. thank you so much that's all i have to say thank you come on thank you you so much we might have you on another episode because i feel like there's so many untouched uh, territories (laughs) i was untouched this whole episode (laughs) you didn't lay there on the table (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. we do we do some episodes called the round table where we talk about a specific topic so i would love to have your wisdom and knowledge more you should do a queer one yeah, yeah. Some different queers. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. That would be I so cool. Really interesting, fabulous group. Uh, how about we give you all the mics and like you drive the the whole discussion? I can't drive. I don't have a license. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, like I'm, I'm interested too. Fascinating conversation for me, and also like it's yeah. it's so applicable to my own exploration of thing, and it's not done yeah. at 37, so I'm like so you're much food for thoughts. Yeah, 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 you're yeah. A baby, you've got so much life left. So I'm I'm like, fuck yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we as we say in gender fun you do you babe <laughs> yeah because I'm doing everybody else <laughs> <laughs> alright perfect you. ending well, thank you so much thank you so much for listening to Creators in Vietnam if you like this episode become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a 5 star rating and review in Apple Podcast also by sharing this episode with your friends on social media This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time.